It's a good day. It's a good day. It's not too hot out there. Right? Now everybody's complaining. Everybody's complaining last week about the heat, and now it's like, oh, it's raining. You can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. Before we get into this, uh, if you got a bulletin this morning, you just have uh, seen a, a little thing in there that looks like this. It's called a 90-day challenge. So I'm just prepping you in advance that uh, starting in September, we just want to put a little challenge out there to all of you. And uh, challenges are good because it keeps us from being stagnant. Stagnation is a horrible thing for our faith for our bodies, for our spirits. And so if you look on the back, all we're asking people to do as you prepare to do this, this isn't a surprise for you, so if you turn that over, uh, find a new way to connect to this body. There's so many distractions out there that we tend to not be as connected as we should be. Uh, find a new way to connect to our body, whether it be coming to midweek service, coming to, uh, how about this weird one, how about attending every week? Woo! Finding a small group, or when we do have activities, come and be part of the body. Finding a place to serve. We've got a lot of opportunities for you to get involved. Uh, and so for over the next 90 days, find a way. You can find an usher, be a greeter, helping uh, youth, helping kids' life, storehouse, clothing ministry, jail ministry. There's more and more and more. So there's no excuse for you other than lazy bones, lazy bones. All right. And then lastly, give. Uh, Start praying about uh, your ability to step up and be a giver. If you're not tithing and not giving, that's a great place to start. If you're giving zero, how about 2%? Maybe you can't do 10% right now, but God says that we're supposed to be people that give. If you're tithing, awesome. Thank you for, your, for what you're doing, but maybe support a missionary. Maybe contribute towards a, a local ministry. Maybe support for Guatemala or, or something like that. You, you don't want to keep that filthy stuff in your wallet or your purse. It just goes bad anyway. It's like, it's like manna, right? You want to use it, and the more that you get it, and the more you give it away, the more God can trust you with, right? And so, uh, just these three areas. And, and why these three areas? Because some of you already got this nailed down. You're already a giver, and you're like, got that covered, but you're not very well connected. You don't know the people in your row. You don't know the people in your section. You, you never attend more than just a couple Sundays a month, and you really don't know this church very well, and we don't know you very well. Maybe you need to get connected. Thank you for your giving, but find a way to get connected. Maybe you're really connected. Man, I've been in this church for years, but you haven't been serving. Why miss out on the blessing that you can have? Why miss out on this opportunity to bless other people's lives and, and enrich not only this church but the kingdom? Like Melissa said, find, and again, it's not every day, it's not 24 hours, find just one new place where you haven't been serving, connecting, or giving and see what God would do. I believe you'll feel a little more fulfilled, a little more focused, and a little more connected, not only to the church but to God when we actually get out of our stagnation, our routine of doing what we've always done because that's what's easy and that's what's simple. But sometimes He blesses us with the challenge when we step out a little bit. Amen? So if you see that in there, just remember that. That's going to be starting September the 10th, and, and we're going to go for 90 days after that and see how your life can be changed. Again, this isn't a forever deal, but I believe if we can create a habit over 90 days that you can become a lifetime giver. You can become a lifetime server. You can be connected to people that you can love and grow into relationship for the long haul, and that's a good thing. These are not bad things to want to get connected with. All right, let's get into it this morning. Are you ready? We're going to be in Genesis this morning. 
We're going to talk a little bit about wrestling this morning, and for those of you that are wrestling fans, we're not talking about WWE or Raw or any of those things, as real as they may be. Didn't want to offend anybody this morning. Oh, do we still have kids in here? Kids, get out of here. Thank you, thank you. Kids, leave us. Thunder into kids' life. Get so excited about stuff, we forget the little ones are even in here. We love you, kids. Have a great rest of your day. All right, we're talking about wrestling this morning. Uh, I wrestled when I was in uh, middle school and and high school, Uh, one of those love-hate relationships. I really enjoyed the sport, hated what it takes out of you and the discipline and and all of that, but um, I think you can learn some some lifelong lessons from there, but um, I know we've done a lot of it uh, already, but would you would you pray with me and and with and for yourself this morning? Um, we've been praying very specifically, at least I have, that we become more and more people of the Word. His Word is good seed for us, and and we need to have the soil of our hearts, as it were, tilled up instead of hardened, because. If we don't prepare ourselves, we come in week after week after week, if you're a week after week person, you hear it, and it bounces off, and you say, that was pretty good, and you go home, and nothing has changed. You didn't absorb anything. Nothing's growing. There's been absolutely no change in your life. You haven't applied it, and then you say, well, church isn't really changing me that much. Well, it's not because of church. It's because of you, and so I want us to pray that when God's Word goes forward, not my Word, but God's Word goes forward, it sinks deep into our hearts and it creates change and it creates some roots and we begin to see fruit from what His Word tells us to do because if you don't apply it, it's useless. It's like keeping the sunscreen in the bottle. You got it, but it's useless unless you apply it. Amen? So let's pray. Lord, as Your Word goes forth, as we hear Your powerful truths, would You let it penetrate the soil of our heart? And let our lives be changed. We didn't come here to be entertained. We didn't come here to to hear some some babble about spirituality. We came to receive truth and go away changed. So, Lord, help us be changed by your word. Plant it and water it by your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. amen. Amen. Now, I think there's a lot of wrestling going on in the world today, and again, I'm, I'm not going to use any illustrations from TV. We're not going to talk about wrestling moves or any of that stuff. I think we all understand what wrestling means. You could use the word struggle if you want, but I think it's a big issue in our world today because I think that people wrestle with finding their purpose, with their identity, with feeling like they're significant. I think people wrestle with things that they can't control and things beyond their, their leverage. I think that they have uh, fear issues and people are unfocused more than ever before. I think we have relationship issues that we wrestle with. I think that we have inconsistent faith that people are wrestling with and we wrestle with past. We wrestle with our secrets. We wrestle with our sins. We wrestle with our personal attitudes. We wrestle with the things that people see but they don't know the real things inside of us. And, and maybe we sometimes wrestle with with who we are and who we aren't. We wrestle with what God has called us to do and to be. And sometimes we wrestle with God, with what God has called us not to be and not to do. 
But at the very heart of, of the message this morning, God's will for every one of you. And I, I've heard this a lot over the years. People come and say, Pastor, I need to know what God's will is for me. And that's a difficult one. I don't know God's will for you other than I'm going to tell you this. God's will for you is to do God's will. And the problem is we get selfish and we want to know, what does God's will say for me to do? If you read through the Bible, you'll see things that say, it's the Lord's will too. It's the Lord's will too. It's the, but it's probably not going to say, it's the Lord's will for Kelly too. It's not going to say that. But wherever it says the Lord's will, that's something He wants you to do, something He wants you to accomplish. And you need to stop trying to find your personal selfish role and stop wrestling with that and say, Lord, if it's your will, I'll do it. And at the heart of that, from the very beginning, is something that sounds so great. He says, be fruitful and multiply. Now, if we just focused on doing that, we wouldn't have much extra time in our lives, but we wrestle with that. Well, uh, well how am I going to be fruitful? Don't worry about you being fruitful. You just try to follow God's Word and do God's will, and you'll be fruitful. And then the multiplication is not just having child after child after child. He doesn't want you to just have 12 kids and say, look at there. <laughs> multiplication is a lot more. See, the problem that we have in the world today is not multiplication. The problem is division. We're a divided nation. Many times there's divided church, divided attention, divided passions, divided focus. And you can't be divided and still expect to be fruitful and multiply. Multiplication is about discipleship. Multiplication is about passing on, like we talked about last week, passing on that baton. Multiplication is seeing people added to the kingdom. Multiplication is blessing people instead of cursing them. Multiplication is adding to God's kingdom instead of rescinding or subtracting from God's kingdom. And if we will focus on how can I be fruitful, we let God take care of the rest. He just says, be fruitful and multiply. And we get all caught up with how, when, what, where, and why. Just follow God's Word. Allow His Spirit to guide you. Be fruitful right where you are, wherever He's planted you. Be fruitful. And then look for ways to multiply. Who, who could be added? How can God's kingdom be advanced? We're going to talk about a, a, a man that struggled with this most of his life, and his name was Jacob. And he wrestled with stuff most of his life until the pinnacle of his wrestling match, which we'll get to. But before you tune out, I want to share some great advice that I received from a, a wonderful man of God, a mentor to me. His name was Barney Bernard, but actually his name was Malcolm Scott Bernard, but he always went by Barney. Huge guy, 6'4" big, rangy, uh, South African, full beard, uh, funny, uh, radically saved, a uh, world evangelist, and a great teacher. Uh, unfortunately, he lost his battle with cancer, and now he's up uh, uh, as a great cloud of witnesses with, with so many others. But this is what he told me, very young in my spiritual life. If you'll be okay to wrestle with God then you'll never have to wrestle with men. If you'll wrestle with God, you'll never have to wrestle with men. And I want to share that with you this morning, is that many of us, even the Bible says we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. 
we get caught up in stuff that we've got no business getting into a struggle with. And it, it's not eternal. It's temporal. It's frustrating. It gets us unfocused. It gets us off balance. And it never produces fruit. And we saw this just this weekend. We've got black supremacy on one side, white supremacy on another side. We've got politics and police and everything in between. But when Christ becomes supreme... <laughs> and we put our focus on Him instead of what do I get out of it or some cause, then God's kingdom gets established. But without that, we get fragmented and divided, and even within our own minds, we sometimes get double-minded on those things. But if you can wrestle with God, if you will determine that it's okay to wrestle with God, He'll make sure you never have to wrestle with men. And it doesn't mean you won't have conflict, but you'll know who you are. And you'll know who God is if you'll choose to wrestle with Him. So let's start there. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 25. Here we go. I'm going to throw some scripture at you this morning. Hopefully it will stick. Genesis 25, verses 22 through 26. Jacob's mom is, is pregnant. She's been prophesied over that she's going to get pregnant, even though for a long time she hadn't been. And it said the children struggled within her. She found out she was having twins. And the this wrestling match is going on, this struggle is going on, and she gets concerned and she says, if all is well, why am I like this? Why is all this going on? This doesn't seem normal. And look at when she had the question, what did she do? For those of you in the midst of a struggle, for those of you saying, what is going on? Why is it like this? Why am I like this? Maybe you're struggling with your identity. Maybe you're struggling with your sexuality. Maybe you're struggling with your relationship, and you're saying, why am I like this? Go inquire of the Lord. You don't need a self-help book. You don't need to call somebody. You don't need to watch Dr. Phil. You definitely don't need to tune into Oprah. You need to inquire of the Lord. He's got the answers. She goes to inquire of the Lord, and look what happens. He tells her what's going on. You want to know what's going on? The Lord said, there are two nations in your womb. He's speaking prophetically for the time. Two people will be separated from your body. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. Hang on to that for just a little bit. Two nations, two peoples are inside of you, and one will be stronger than the other, and one will serve the other. Verse 24, so when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb. Imagine that. And the first one came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. Here's the, here's the hairy guy from, the, from birth. So they called his name Esau. And afterwards, catch this, his brother came out, and what happened? He wasn't a hairy guy. They didn't say anything about him. What did they say about Jacob? He grabbed a hold of his brother's heel. <laughs> Amazing. And his name was called Jacob, and Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. Now think about this for a minute. All this wrestling's been going on. Esau comes out first. He's the child of blessing. He is the firstborn. That means he's got the biggest portion of the inheritance. But when he comes out, Jacob says, gotcha, <laughs> and grabs him by the heel. The wrestling match has continued. And for the rest of their adult life, they wrestle. 
with who they are and who they aren't. You read the rest of that story? And Isaac loved Esau. He was a man of the earth that was the outdoor uh, 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 man's man. Harry liked to hunt. In fact, made Isaac his favorite stew. He was a man that Isaac's like, I love this boy. Isaac was a mama's boy. He hung around the tents. He helped mama cook. He had soft skin. And his mother loved him. But guess who wanted to be the ruler? Jacob. His mom remembered what had been said, and she knew that the firstborn gets the birthright. But from the very beginning, Jacob had been trying to grab Esau over and over again. You can read the story, Big Plan of Deception, and unfortunately, Esau loses out several times by first selling his birthright for a pot of stew, shows his character. And then Jacob puts on goat skin and fools his dad whose eyes are failing, and he receives the blessing. Let's jump forward a little bit. So now he's, he's been in this situation. He steals from Esau his, his birthright. They become enemies, and a conflict starts, and Jacob flees out of fear for his brother. And he finds himself in his relative's land. His relative's name is Laban. We're going to jump there real quick. Genesis chapter 29. Verses 15 through 20, Laban said to Jacob, because you are my relative, should you serve me for nothing? Tell me, what should your wages be? Now, he's been there hanging out, working, and he's fallen in love with one of Laban's daughters. And Laban's a shrewd businessman. He realizes that everything that he puts Jacob over begins to prosper. He says, oh, I'll put you over the sheep, and pretty soon he's got these huge flocks, and 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 he's like, man, this is incredible. And Jacob says, well, I'll just take these ones. And, and Laban tries to scheme him out of those, and pretty soon God blesses Jacob. And Laban tries another thing, and God blesses Jacob. And Jacob is like, this is incredible. God's just blessing me whatever I do. He's, he's got me this, this place. He's got me this job. I've got all these flocks. I've got this beautiful girl. And Laban says, okay, let's, let's figure this out. What do you want your wages to be? What, how can I pay you? Laban had two daughters. The older daughter was Leah, and the name of the younger one was Rachel. And I love verse 17. The Bible is so kind. It says, Leah's eyes were delicate or tender. What it really means, she had weak eyes. She had ugly eyes. She was hard to look at. And notice the following that. But Rachel... Do you think maybe there's some conflict in that house between Leah and Rachel? Anybody ever notice that problem between sisters? Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Now, notice this. How would you like to be Leah? What do you think about Leah? She's got bad eyes. Well, what do you think about Rachel? She is beautiful, not just her appearance, but she is hot. What did you say about Leah? Uh, she's got tender eyes. <laughs> See, when I was growing up, and please don't be offended, but when I was growing up, you heard that. We just changed it. You know, what do you think about so-and-so? She has a great personality. Now, that sounds all good and well, but something happened. Verse 18, Jacob loved Rachel. He said, think about this, guys. Laban, 
I'll serve you for seven years so I can marry Rachel. Now, that's love. Seven years. Some marriages don't last that long, let alone the engagement. Seven years I'll serve you so I can get Rachel. They've been said, it's better that I should give her to you than to some other guy. That sounds great, doesn't it? (laughs) Notice the heart of Laban. He's not like, that's awesome. I can't wait for you to. He's like, well, you're as good as anybody else. I might as well let her marry you. Shows the heart. But look what happens. Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days because of the love that he had for her. Look at that. It's a Hallmark movie. Seven long years. And if you read the rest of that story, again, you should read your Bible. You're going to find out something that happened. Laban tricks Jacob. And on their wedding night, Jacob gets a huge surprise. The lights come on in the morning, and it's Leah. Now, here's what's funny. Jacob, the trickster, the heel grabber, the usurper, the guy that stole not only the blessing from his father, but stole the birthright from his brother, is now very upset that Laban, that somebody would trick him. What have you done? I didn't want Leah. She's got tender eyes. (laughs) And he didn't sue. You know what he did? He worked another seven years. Rachel, my Lord, 14 years of labor to get the woman that he loved. And then something weird happened. Rachel couldn't get pregnant. And Leah pleaded with the Lord. And it said that the Lord blessed her because he knew that Jacob loved Rachel and Leah began to have children. And Rachel was not. Conflict is happening. Can you imagine being a man married to two separate women and one's having babies and one's not? And the importance of their life is having babies? Conflict. Now he's got conflict with Leah. Why don't you love me as much as you love Rachel? You're always there with Rachel, but I'm giving you all these children. I'm giving you boys, and you still don't love me. Conflict. He's got conflict with Laban. He's got conflict with Esau. He's got conflict with Leah. And he's wrestling this whole time. What do I do? And, and he really doesn't know because he's not the man of character. This is the deceiver. This is the guy that even though God is blessing him, he's still grappling with who he's supposed to be. We're going to fast forward again and, and realize that sometimes God rewards our, our passionate pursuit. God rewards our favor of things that we want, and, and he brings us the reward, but Sometimes it requires a sacrifice. Rachel got married, but she was barren for a time. Now, eventually God did bless her with children. But there was conflict. There was some struggle going on. Genesis 32. All of his past is coming back. He's had to flee Laban's house. His wives have stolen from Laban. Laban sends out messengers to retrieve what was stolen from him. The the girls lie about stealing things. And then 
Jacob hears Esau's on his way. And he has a bunch of men with him. And Jacob is still a cunning guy. He's not stupid. He figures, I'm going to split up this group, and if Esau overtakes one, I'll be able to keep the other. And he splits up his family. He splits up herds and crops and people. One, or not crops, but animals this way, and another one's going to go this way. And he's left alone to figure out what's going on. And we, we find him here in chapter 32. Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. And that man is capitalized because it's a title. Not any old man. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Think about how hard that would be. These two are locked arm in arm trying to get an edge. And wrestling is all about leverage. Wrestling is all about finding the weakness of somebody. There's pushing and pulling and head tapping and what we'd call grappling. Because once you get your opponent down, things begin to change. He's grappling with God. And one thing about Jacob is he's stubborn. Let me go, for the day is breaking. Jacob says, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. You see how focused Jacob was on the blessing? He wanted the blessing from his father, and he got it. He wanted the blessing from Laban, and he worked another seven years. He wanted the blessing. He wanted the blessing. And so if you're a person that wants the blessing, good on you. But just understand that sometimes you're going to have wrestling and struggles when you're just seeking the blessing, and it'll change you. And yes, God can bless you. And yes, God does want to bless you. But the question is, do you want to get blessed for you or do you want to get blessed for Him? Because when we want to get blessed for us, that's just arrogance and self-ambition. And God's not in that. But can I also tell you that God's about to prove the prophecy all the way back from the years earlier that many of us are still wrestling with to this day, and we're going to see it here in a minute. He said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. God said to him, what's your name? Now, please don't read into this. God wasn't unaware of what Jacob's name was. But some of you, God asked you questions, and you think he doesn't know the answer. He's asking you a question because he wants to know what you think the answer is. It's not that he doesn't know. And Jacob knew what his name meant, a serper, heel grabber, deceiver. What's your name from your past? Adulterer, fornicator, cheater, liar, fat, stupid, ugly, Abused, not as good as your brother or sister or whomever. If you'll be okay with wrestling with God, He'll change who you'll be in the future. But you've got to get a hold of God, and even more importantly, 
This is where our modern culture has changed. You need to let God get a hold of you. He will change you. He will change your way. He'll change your walk. Jacob walked different the rest of his life because God touched him. But the only way for God to touch him was that God got a hold of him. Jacob could have quit at any time. And this is a problem again in a temporary society where everything is disposable. We start to wrestle with God, then things get tough. And we let go. We let go of our values, we let go of our principles, we let go of God's Word, and the blessing goes with it. When you can cling to it, the blessing of God is His Word. If we'll fulfill His Word and cling to His Word, the blessing comes with God. You cannot be blessed apart from Him. You might be successful, but those things can go away. In one night, money can go away. In one night, your job can go away. In one time, your health can go away. There is no true established blessing apart from God, even though you can have natural success and see some fruit from your natural abilities, but it never endures. If you want something that's going to last forever, you need to get a hold of God, and you've got to let Him get a hold of you. Him getting hold of you is saying, this is me. Feel my strength. God could have let him go at any moment, too. Do you ever notice that? And I find great comfort in this, that he's not the distant standoff God. He's right there with him. He's looking at him. He's touching him. He's in close proximity to Jacob. He's not a far-off God that doesn't know you. You don't know how I feel, God. I know exactly how you feel, Jacob. I know exactly who you are, and I'm right here. I'm laying hands on you. I'm struggling with you, but your struggle isn't with me. The struggle has been Esau, and the struggle has been your identity, and the struggle has been Laban, and the struggle has been Leah, and your real struggle is you, Jacob. (laughs) You're the lowest common denominator to your problem with Esau and your problem with Laban and your problem with Leah. Your problem is you. And church, the biggest problem we wrestle with is us. But if you will wrestle with God, He'll change who you are. But you've got to let Him get hold of you and you need to hang on to Him. Look what He says. Your name is no longer going to be called Jacob, deceiver, supplanter, usurper, but you're going to be called Israel, which means strong with or prince of God. What a nice shift. What a change in who he's supposed to be. Think about that. Every time he said his name, everybody knew exactly what Jacob meant. And now, His future is being changed because of a moment where he's alone and he wrestled with God. And make no mistake, he didn't beat God. God wasn't uh, given a body slam by some mere mortal. God just said, I'm going to bless you because of your tenacity. You're going to have struggled with God and, look at this, and with men, and you have prevailed. You'll struggle with God. You'll have this prevailing attitude. 
we have to wrestle. We have to allow, to allow God to get a hold of our past, our problems, our pain, our present, everything that makes you, you. We've got to not be afraid of it, but allow God to get a hold of it because in His grip is where the change comes. And the more we push away God, the more we get distant with God, the more we're left with us. That's why I find great comfort that God stepped up and found Jacob when he was alone and didn't leave him alone and didn't just speak from a disembodied voice and say, Jacob, you've been a bad boy, but I think I can change all that. He shows up as a personal God and gets a hold of him. And there's a wrestling match. There's a struggle. Now let's go back to the original prophecy before we wrap this up. He said there's two nations, two people inside of you, and the younger will serve the older. Every one of us is born into this. Every one of us is born into a carnal, fallen, sinful life. And you're going to wrestle with that. But I've got to tell you that the old man is not as strong as the new man. And we have the ability for the older, the old life, the old desires, the old mess to serve the new man, the new life that we have in Jesus Christ. But you have to make a choice about who you're going to be. Are you going to be the old man, Jacob? Are you going to be the new man? And for some of us, you waffle back and forth. You've been promised new life, but you keep going back to an old life and you're never comfortable, and you're never secure, and you're never safe. You always feel like, I don't know what to do, and, and I feel like I'm secretive, and I feel like I'm faking it. Let go of the old life and be the new life. Let go of the old man and get a hold of God. He's not going to take you back there. He's not going to punish you for that. He is going to forgive you and say, I've given you new life. I want you to have abundant life. But you can't keep going back to the old life and expect the blessing. And I hope that you hear that. We talked a little bit about this a couple weeks ago. You can't have the, hey, everything's under grace, and expect God's blessing to fall on your disobedience. It doesn't work that way. And the fact that you don't die instantly doesn't mean that God's okay with our sin. It just means that He's gracious and merciful and kind and loving Because if He killed us, if we sinned after we got saved, none of us would be sitting here. That's grace, not getting what you deserved. It's not being able to do what you want. It's not getting what you deserve. An amazing thing happens here. Three chapters later, Jacob, after this wrestling match, he's, he's restored to Esau. He and his brother make up, and it seems like everything is great, and he goes on life. And I love how God does this again. Jacob's trying to reestablish himself, and yet he's still calling himself Jacob. In chapter 35, it says, God appears to Jacob again when he came from Padan Aram and blessed him. Look at this. God's blessing him again. God's showing up again. And he came for a specific reason. Look at verse 10. God said to him, your name is Jacob. Yeah, I know. 
Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. He must have forgot what happened back in Genesis 32. He had forgotten his wrestling match. He had started going on with life. God has blessed me. He just started going. Anybody been there? I've been there. You forget the blessings of God. You forget what he's promised you. You forget the protection that he's given you. You forget the many obstacles and the opportunities that he has brought into your path. We sometimes forget what God has said to us. God shows up again, and he says, you're acting like Jacob. You're not Jacob anymore. You remember when I changed your name? You are called Israel. And he called his name Israel. And God also said to him, I am God Almighty. Here's that key phrase. Do what? Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you, and kings will come from your body. What a change from being the usurper, the deceiver, the heel grabber. You're going to be a nation of kings. You're going to have children that are going to run 12 tribes that are going to be incredible. They're going to be the foundation of the faith. Look what he says, verse 12. He, he links him to the past. I'm the God of promise, the land which I gave Abraham and Isaac. Now, wait a minute. Maybe you glossed over this. This is where you need to read your word. He should be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. Who was the firstborn? But do you see that God fulfilled the prophecy? And now, every good Jew and every good Christian understands the God of Abraham, Isaac, and and it should have been Esau. But God takes away our Esau and not gives us Jacob, but he brings Israel. He has the ability to bless. He said, the land I gave Abraham and Isaac, that inheritance that you were looking for, that blessing that you were looking for, that was just land from your father. I'm giving you an eternal. We're still reading about it today. I'm giving you something that's going to supersede land and maps and distances and sand and acreage. I'm giving you something supernatural. And to your descendants after you, I'm giving this land. To the people that will follow you, the people that will wrestle with me, the people will be people of God. And we hear Psalms from David saying, Oh, you generation of Jacob, those who seek God's face. They don't want just a, a blessing God. They want to get face to face with God. And there's a struggle As we look at this last thing, I just want you to see the different representations of his life. He struggled with Esau because of that significance. He knew his father loved Esau. And for whatever reason, Jacob was hungry for a blessing. He wanted to be blessed by his father. He wanted the birthright. He wanted to find that special place. He had struggled with Laban, with family, and sometimes family is our biggest struggle. <laughs> Things we have to deal with, ethics we have to deal with, situations we have to deal with. 
We've got Leah. We've got relationships and favoritism and affliction. What happens when we feel like we're the tender-eyed one? What happens when we get afflicted by things? What happens when we don't feel loved? What happens when we're not the favorite? He also wrestled with God, changed his identity, changed his past, changed his purpose, and changed his destiny, because up until that point, he was just the second born. <laughs> but because of what God did, two nations are in your life today, church. Two people. And you need to determine who you're going to be. Are you going to be the old you? Or are you going to be the new you? And maybe you're saying, I've, I've been there before, Pastor, and I, today's a new day. Today is a new day to get a hold of God, and maybe today is the day that you rise to the challenge. Maybe today is the day that you're, you'll last long enough to see God change you. Or you just stay doing what you've always done, and you always wish you were something else. Maybe today is the day that you put it off. And I want to point you at these last two scriptures real quick. If you've got a Bible, you've got your phone or whatever, I'm going to Romans 6, 6. Now, we're moving from the Old Testament to the New Testament. This is where God is saying, hey, I've sent Jesus to, to make these things right, to restore things. And look what he says in Romans 6, 6. Knowing that our old man was crucified with him, he went to the cross to crucify your old man, the Jacob of your life. That the body of sin, all that stuff that struggles and strains and all that stuff, could be done away with, that we would no longer be slaves of sin. Look at that. You don't have to be a slave to that desire, to that messed up identity or that messed up past. I have taken that from you so that you can be new. But you've got to put off the old man. He crucified it there for you, but you're still living like it. You've got to change over. Go to Ephesians 4.22. Just turn to the right just a little bit. Right after Galatians. Look what it says. Put off your former conduct. Put it away. The old man. He's using that phrase again. The old man. The Jacob. That's how you were born which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. You get that choice today. Jacob could have let go any time with God, but he hung on. You've just heard God's word right from the Holy Spirit to Paul. Put off your old man. And you'll see something incredible. Put off your old man with its lust and its desire, and you'll inherit something better. And it's not just a salvation call this morning. Many of you, many of you, if not most of you, have been saved, but you're still not living the life that God has called you to live. You're living your life. But are you living the life He has for you? And if you struggle with that identity, you struggle with that sense of significance, maybe it's because you grabbed a hold of God at one time, but you let go and started living your life. This is that wake-up moment of Genesis 35, like Jacob had, where God is saying again, here's another time to remind you. I'm just reminding you, these aren't my words, this is God's words. 
He's reminding you. I didn't die to see your old man struggle through life. I died to see your new man find its place, to be blessed, to be fruitful and multiply. I didn't die to see you struggle and strain. I died that you'd be free and have life abundantly and life everlasting. So if you feel like you're struggling, maybe you've got to quit playing games and wrestle with God and let Him get a hold of you. So we're going to pray this morning. Some of you didn't want to hear this, but many of us needed to hear this. Because if you won't wrestle with God, you're going to wrestle with the men and women around you. If you bear with me a moment, I'll show you how this comes out. When you don't know who you are in God, then you're dependent on another human being to make you feel loved and valued and significant, and they can never fulfill what was meant for God to do. And you'll jump from spouse to spouse, from relationship to feeling to experience until you're emptied of everything because you'll never find it in another human being. You can say it's your soulmate all you want, but until you find who you are in God, you will have a wanting place. You will have an empty place that can only be filled by Him and no sex and no experience and no drugs and no worldly thing can ever feel it. It will leave you empty and barren and void, always wanting more. Or you find God. And it may not be all you'd expected, but it'll be all you ever wanted it to be. Some people are hoping it's an experience. It will be, but it's not always as thrilling for some. For me, it was an x-ray experience. It was terrifying. Where I had a vision between me and God. And it just felt like He was looking through me. But not with judgment. And that's what was terrifying. He saw all my secrets. He saw the things I was faking. Saw the things I was hiding. Saw my fears. Things that I had forgotten about. (laughs) Things I didn't want to remember. In that moment, when you feel like you're completely known and there's still love and not judgment, It changed me. Just like it did Jacob. Just like it can you. You see, God isn't there to point out your sin, to punish you. He's there for you to say, I've taken care of that. Don't let it stand between us anymore. I covered that. You don't have to worry about that anymore. 